of worship. So, Father, I just pray that you will just still our hearts. God, I pray that right now we would just put aside the busyness of last week, the anticipation of the upcoming. And, God, I just pray that our hearts and our minds will just be, be clear of all the clutter. And, Lord, that we would just enter into your presence, seeking your face, listening intently to your word, and, God, just desiring more of you. Father, I just ask that this morning you would just descend into our hearts. Lord, let your voice be crystal clear. Let our attention be solely and focused on you. And, God, we just ask that you would do the transformation act. God, that you would be the one who... who molds and shapes our thoughts, our hearts, our wills. And God, that we wouldn't just be hearers and listeners of your word, but God, the most importantly, we would be doers. So Father, you speak. Allow your Holy Spirit to teach, convict, and write us where we're wrong. And God, let us just live in your Son, Jesus Christ. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 22. And you'll, look, if you wouldn't mind, locate in your handout that you got this morning, uh, a little piece of paper. Something that you can just kind of follow along as we go through the sermon and, and talk about this. And as you read that, uh, the title of that message, let me just ask you, if you wouldn't mind, not to check out. Because you're probably in one of several categories. Either you're a parent, and God has a specific word for you this morning. Either you are uh, anticipating being a parent, and so even more importantly, God has a specific word for you this morning. Maybe you've got uh, small children. Maybe you have older children. Maybe your children are even out of the house. Maybe you even know some parents. So regardless, God has a word for every single one of us this morning. So even though the title may seem a little bit strange, let's follow along in God's word and hear what he's got to say. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, the wisest man to ever walk the planet other than Christ himself was a man by the name of Solomon. Solomon asked God for, for the gift of wisdom and God poured it out on him. And so whenever we get a chance to kind of peer into the thoughts and to the, the writings of anything that a man like Solomon was worth, that he wrote, then we, it is very good for us to just kind of sit back and pay a little bit of attention. So if you've got your little handout and you've got, the, um, uh, got your scripture open, Proverbs 22.6, read along with me because here's what the Bible has to say. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. I was, uh, back at Christmas, I was uh, talking with this young lady, and she was uh, describing to me the, the gift that she was getting ready to give her, her children. And, uh, and she gave her children these little, what's called an iPod Touch. Now, what this thing is, it's a, it's, well, matter of fact, I've got one right here. Forgot I had it. Here's one, yeah. 
This little bitty device has incredible power. And, and I don't really, and, and, and I don't really know that this woman who was telling me about this uh, gift that she was getting ready to give her children really understood what this little, this little thing can do. I know it doesn't look like much, but it really has some incredible power. And I got to sharing with her some of the, some of the things that this uh, little device could do. And I, I was just talking with her about it and just kind of giving her a little bit of warning because with comes a little device like this comes, comes some things that possibly people don't need to get into. And she was really a little bit kind of bewildered. And she didn't really understand what I was talking about. So I said, well, here, let me just show you. So I turned it on and I typed in on this little search engine, I typed in a three-letter word beginning with the letter S. And all kinds of stuff just come popping up. And she was absolutely amazed. And I said, now let me ask you a question. Are you ready for your children to have a device such as this and have access to things like that? And she really was pretty much speechless. Now, I I don't have a problem with giving little gifts like this. I I think they're wonderful. I'm a a tech guy, so I kind of like to get in on on the little things like that. But I, I really have an issue whenever we're talking about a 9- and a 10-year-old because sometimes mom and dads don't quite understand what they're allowing access to to their children. And whenever we kind of we kept talking about it and I kept showing her and I, I, just, I said, listen, you just need to know this. You need to be prepared. You need to understand what, you're, what the world you're opening up to your children is. And she looked at me and she said, I don't have time for this. Now, let me just put the pause button on that particular story because I'm going to get back to that one here in just a minute. Because many of you who uh, probably know, know me well enough, I didn't just kind of take that sitting down lightly. So I just I want to put the pause button on that one and we'll come back to that story here in just a minute. But whenever we talk about children and raising them, we've got to go to God's word. This is the authority and this is the perfect authority. This is the inerrant word of God. And when Solomon comes to us and looks at us and he... And he just whispers into our ear, train your child. He's got something he wants to say. Put up the, Cameron, you got my, my PowerPoint there? Maybe. Maybe not. There we go. Good job, Cameron. There we go. Now go to the first slide if you don't mind. Because here's your first fill in. Look at this right here. As mom and dads, as grandparents, as, as future parents, I mean, whatever the case may be, we really need to make sure that we are honed in on one particular truth that what Solomon is, is teaching us this morning about training. It means to cultivate a growing appetite. So put that, that word appetite in your handout, on your handout, just fill that in. And let me make sure that you understand kind of what Solomon is getting at. See, Solomon wasn't talking about a military strategy. When he said train, a lot of times we we see that word and we kind of think, is is he talking about, you know, standing them up at attention, getting them up at four o'clock in the morning, making them do do all their calisthenics? No, that's not that's not what he's talking about at all. See, we got to kind of go back to his day and time and to go back into his culture to really understand what that word in in uh, Proverbs 22, that word train really means. See, because what that what the, the, the picture that Solomon was painting was simply of, of what an Arab midwife would do at a birth of a baby. See, whenever a woman would have a child, the, 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 the midwife would take the child and, and would clean it up, of course, and, and, and do the necessary things. But the midwife would, would crush up some dates, some dates that, that are native to that area, and actually 
paste it to the top, to the roof of the baby's mouth. And, and whenever the, the midwife would do that, the baby would actually have a sensation of sucking so that they would be able to get nourishment from their mother. And so whenever, whenever Solomon uses the word train your child in the way it should go, that's, that's the visual image that he is, he's picturing as he's writing those words. And so it's really good for us to kind of understand the history, but more importantly, to understand the context. We're to give them hunger, a thirst, that appetite for God. And, and this, is, this isn't something that we need to take lightly. You see what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Notice what the Bible says. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Not just a, not just a haphazard training, not just a, oh, let's just kind of, uh, you know, you know, teach them the, the ABCs, the, the numbers, the alphabet. I mean, no, no, it's, it's way more than that. It's, this thing has eternal perspective. And so when, when Solomon's talking about this, he's got a much big, bigger picture in mind. Now, let me just show you this, um, this, this next slide. There was a question. Go ahead, just one slide. There we go. Stop right there. There was a question that was asked by this, in, this enormous company here in the United States. And I'm not going to tell you what company did, it, did this particular survey just yet, but I want to just, just kind of want to just, just tease you just a moment. And they asked this question. Of the age range from between uh, 13 and 23 years old. They asked this one question. Hey, what makes you happy? Real simple question. Very open-ended. That They weren't really after anything specific. Except just what was on the people's hearts. Look at what they responded. Go ahead, Cameron. It says, a worried, weary parent might imagine the answer to sound something like sex, drugs, and a little rock and roll. That wasn't the case at all. Maybe some cash or at least the car keys. Turns out the real answer was quite different. This is the answer that people from the ages of 13 to 23 gave to what makes you happy. Spending time with family was the top answer to that open-ended question. Parents are seen as an overwhelming positive influence in the lives of most young people. Remarkably, nearly half of teens mentioned at least one of their parents as the hero. Now just let that soak in just for a second. Spending time. You know, a lot of moms and dads think, well, my kids hate me, my kids don't like me, my kids do everything to get out of the house. You know what, if you're training them in the way they should go, training them in the way God desires for you, look at what they're really saying. Look at how they really feel. What an opportunity that you have, more than a, than a youth pastor, more than a teacher, more than the, than the friend down the street. You've got incredible influence over these people. Now, let me just show you. Go ahead, Cameron. Let me just show you what. No, back up. Back up one. There you go. MTV. Y'all ever heard of MTV? Music, television. Yeah. Incredible statistic, incredible information. But where do we get this training up a child? Where, where does that come from? Where, where does that need to originate? Well, you know what? It all starts with you. It's got to start with inside of you. It's got to be coming out of you so that you've got something to pour into them. Notice what this uh, lady named Linda Davis had to say. Go ahead, Cam. says, you cannot give something that you have not, not received and you cannot lead someone to a place you have never been. Have you ever, I know every, every morning or sometimes in the afternoon, I go out to my dog lot 
and I get our, our, our dog out of the lot, let her uh, tire up in the backyard, let her play out in the backyard. But I always pick up this, this a, a one-gallon water pail. It's just a, a bucket that, that she, we put her water in. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up, I'll put her on the on the line and let her wall around in the grass, and and I'll pick up the bucket and I'll just go around and just with yesterday's water, I'll just water whatever plants are kind of close by. Well, then I always go over to the to the spigot and I start filling it up with fresh water. And I always, I always, I may start looking around and I'll start noticing something in the yard I got to do. It looks, looks some kind of chore I forgot to get done. And, and next thing you know, the, the bucket's overflowing. It's full. Well, I'll turn off the water real quick and I'll put the hose up and I, I got to walk real gingerly to, back over where, kind of where she can reach the bucket because the water's, the water's overflowing. It's spilling out all over the place. And if I'm not careful, it gets on my, it gets in my shoes. It gets over on, on my leg. So I've got to be very, very careful about how I walk, how I hold the bucket. Do you, do you know that that's the image that we need to have in, as, as mom and dads in our home? That we are so filled with God's word that every time we take a step, that that water, that, that we take a step, that God's word is just, is just, it's just kind of coming out of the bucket. It's coming out of us. It's spilling over into people's lives. It's spilling over into your children's day to day. And and whenever we're filled with God's word, He's not going to disappoint. He's not going to He's not going to hold back. He's going to fill you up so that whenever you do get around your children, whenever they want to be around you, that you have already done your study, that you can't help but to slosh out a little bit over top of them. It, it, is, is that a true picture of your life? Is that a characteristic of, of the things of your day to day? That you are spending so much time in God's Word that you spill out onto other people's lives? And, and in particular, are you spilling out on your children's lives? So let me just challenge you with this. Before you can ever train anybody in the way they should go, you need to be full. You need to be going to God and say, God, cleanse my thoughts. Lord, Cleanse my, my attitude. Lord, cleanse my, my actions. Lord, my speech. Lord, let it be nothing but glorifying to you. And, and you know, whenever we take God's word seriously, he takes us seriously, and we can't help but to spill over. You know, especially men, dads, you, you are the key ingredient of the home. And, and you know what? God expects even a higher standard from us. God expects us to be the prophet, the priest, and the king of our home. He expects us as men, as the prophet, to, to, to read God's word, to hold God's word in our hand, and to teach God's word, to turn our back to God, and to face our family as the, as the, as the family prophet, and to say, this is what the Bible says about whatever. This is what God says about this. This is, this is what the Word of God means whenever we're in this situation. As the family prophet men, it is our responsibility to be overflowing into our children's lives. But not only are we to be, be the, the family prophet, we're to be the family priest. That means whenever we, we are, we're, we're standing in front of, of our family, we turn our back to our family and we, we face the Almighty God and we pray. I don't mean just, Lord, bless my family. I mean, yeah, anybody can do that. No, I mean, some. let's get serious about our prayer. I mean, your, your children, they're growing up in a world that you know nothing about. They're growing up in a culture that's so opposite of where you've grown up. And so they're, they're, they're tempt, the temptation is enormous. The, the things out there are incredible. 
And so you need to be praying for futures. You need to be praying for friends, for spouses, future spouses. You need to be praying for for their decision making. You need to be praying for their eternity. And so God expects a lot out of this aspect of training. And you may be thinking, well, I'm just doing this all by myself. Well, whenever we look in the book of Deuteronomy, and we'll get there in just a minute, you'll see that you're really not in this alone. You've got a church family. You've got other godly people that you need to invite into, into yours and your, and your children's lives. That's, that's what God, this is God's idea, not, not mine. This is what God says. And so it's important that we take this training aspect extremely seriously. But before that, we've got to cultivate a growing appetite, but we also need to know their learning bent. A, B, bent. We need to understand them. And, and, and what Solomon, again, you know, different time, different culture, this is a wise fella. And, and so he's got a mental picture now of an archer, of this archer. And he's, he's got this bow and he, and he takes the arrow and he, and he pulls that arrow back. And he's got a mental picture of what that bow looks like, the, the wood that it's made out of. And even the cut of the wood, more particularly. Because you don't just take any old random piece of wood and just make a bow out of it. You, you need a specific type of wood, and you need the, the grain to even be going in a certain way so that you get that maximum efficiency whenever you pull that, that, that arrow back and, and release. And that's exactly the imagery that, that, that uh, Solomon has given. In the way. Train up a child in the way. In their way. See, every child is different. We all have our certain bend that we, that we bend differently. And, and children learn differently. You learn differently. Because they're, and, and, and more specifically, there's, there's three of them. There's a visual learning style, an auditory learning style, and a kinesthetic learning style. Just fill those in real quick. And you know, it's, I, I know that I'm not talking to, a, to parents specifically. I'm talking to everyone. And so you might know some people that might need this information. Because this is so critical. If you've got a person in your home who is more of a visual learner, I mean, they, they learn by seeing it. They gotta see it. They, they, they maybe even have a, whenever you tell a story, you can kinda tell that the movie projector in their brain is just all of a sudden just, it kicks in and they're seeing it. See, that's a bit, and that, see, you need to understand that whenever you approach God's Word with them, that that's how they learn. That's how they learn best. Somebody who's a visual learner, you know, they may get a little bit out of just reading because they see it on the page, but they get hardly anything whenever somebody's just telling it to them. They've got to visualize this thing. Same thing with an auditory. And back up. Don't, don't get ahead of me. Same thing with an auditory. I mean, they hear, when they hear it, then that just makes so much more sense to them. It's just, it, it, they, can, they, can, they, can, they can hear somebody read it and it's like they got it. And then you've got somebody who's kinesthetic. That means hands-on. That means they got to be doing it. That means, that means a little child who's kinesthetic. I mean, you need to put that Bible in their lap. You need to take their finger and put their finger on the words as you read it. I mean, maybe even kind of act out something. Uh, you know, we're talking about David and Goliath. Hey, go get some, go get some props and, and, and dress up and, and let's act out the part. I mean, whenever they get involved in the story with hands-on kind of things, they got it. And that's training them in the way that they need to go. So just, you just need to be a student of your child. Now, you can go to just, uh, just uh, Google or whatever search engine you like and just, uh, just type in learning styles. And you'll get these little tests that, that most of them are free. 
and I'm talking mainly to parents of children now, that, that you can actually kind of quickly just run them through these little questions, and you can, they, they, you can really kind of get a feel for, for really how they learn. And this is, this is so critical, because so many parents kind of just hear this, and then they'll just say, well, you know, that's, that's all fine, whatever. You, you remember a guy named Charlie Brown? Charles Schultz was a, was a genius. He, he, I think he, he, uh, uh, he, he used in so many ways, so, so many biblical principles in a, in a simple little cartoon. But one time he had this one particular cartoon, and he had Charlie Brown with, with this bow and this arrow, and, and he, he pulled the arrow back, and he shot at this, this uh, barn. And he hit the barn. And then he walks over, and he draws two circles around the arrow. And, you know, sometimes that's the way we kind of approach things. We, we don't know how to hit the target, so we'll just shoot and then we'll draw the target. You know, it's all kind of backwards. And we just hope for the best. And that's not how God has designed it. He's given, he's given us opportunity through His Word to learn how to handle our children, how to learn how to be students of them. Notice what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Because how do you do this? Well, God's got the answer. How do you go about doing this? It says, impress, the, impress these laws on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, it's real simple. Talking about God should be an everyday thing. It shouldn't be a foreign, foreign idea. I mean, it, it, it's just as you go through life. Bring up God. Talk about God. Talk about His, His goodness, His wonder, His majesty, His creation, His goodness. I mean, just, just you, there, He's unlimited. So we have unlimited amount of information to talk about. But, you know, let me ask you a question. How many moms and dads this morning, uh, how many of you have to tell your, your children at least more than once to do something? More than once? <laughs> well, you know what? Moses was the same way. This was, the book of Deuteronomy was, was Moses, uh, his last sermon. And number one, he, he, he knew, he knew his, his children. He knew the, the, the Israelites. He, he knew these Jews. He knew them pretty well. But also, too, he, he knew where they were getting ready to head into. They were getting ready to head into the promised land. He knew what kind of people were over in the promised land. That those kind of people worshipped other gods, that they could care less about Yahweh, that they, that they would resist any kind of change to their religious system. And he understood these Jews enough to know that he needed to say this thing twice. Because look at what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 11. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when... <laughs> almost verbatim. And don't we sometimes need to hear the same thing? Don't we need to just kind of keep hearing it and keep hearing it and keep hearing it? So that whenever we, we get to this understanding, then we're able to apply it and actually live it out. God doesn't want us just to have idle talk. He doesn't want us just to, to, to just kind of flip through life and just kind of hope for the best. One of my favorite uh, uh, speakers, Zig Ziglar, had this to say. Aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So God gives us an idea of what we need to aim at. We need to train, we need to give our kids an appetite. We need to give them that sustenance right out of God's Word. And we need to do that training in their way, in a way that they receive it best, in a way that they can comprehend best. 
I mean, you've got, you have, you may have one child that's, that's uh, preschool. You may have another that's, that's uh, almost out of school. And so you've got that gambit in between. So, but you need to know your children. You, you've got a grandchild who comes over and, and spends some time with you. Hey, this all applies there as well. We're all held accountable to this verse. Because we're all part of the same family. So we're not only to give an appetite, we're not only to know they're bent, but here's the, here's the last thing and here's the most key. Go ahead. Let the Lord set the course. Write that in on your outline. You need to let the Lord set the course. You know, it's all we can do sometimes to make A and B happen. It's, that's work. That's hard work. That's diligent work. It, it takes determination. I'll, give me a minute and I'll think of another D word that helps enforce this idea. But here's the point. A by itself will never get to C. B by itself will never get to C. It takes a combination of both A and B. And I'm not talking about some kind of equation here. I'm talking about real life. It, it takes our... our, our our determination to be that, give that, that child that appetite and to know how they receive it. And then really it's, it's in the Holy Spirit's hands then. It's in God's hands. Because, you know, as, as, our, as our children get older, as they get more independent, as they in some ways pull away, that, that's, that's natural, that's real. And, and that should happen. But they should always have that foundation of what A and B is all about. So it's never too late. It doesn't matter what, what stage in life you're in. It doesn't matter if, if, you're, if you're in your 60s or more or if you're just in your 20s and you have children. It doesn't make any difference. It is never too late when we're talking about the work of the Almighty God. It's always something that He can do. He can do the miraculous. So even if you've got a child that, that is, 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 is growing in their faith and, and, and they're desiring God... Or if you've got a child that's just as far away from God as, as they can be, it is never too late with God. Never. But there comes a point when you just got to let go and just say, God, this person is yours. Lord, I, I've, I've, I've finished the race. I've fought the fight. Lord, I've done all I can do. But God, this it's, it's, it's is your time now. And, that, and we need to be ready to release that to God. And to let Him know that that that. This child is yours. And so therefore, we need to be praying very specifically. We need to be crying out to God at the altar and just lifting that child up. And I don't mean just say, bless them. I don't say, I don't mean just say, Lord, I hope that they come back around. No, I mean crying out in some detail about their future, about their lifestyle, about, about their decision making. I mean, whatever. It doesn't matter. If you're faithful with A and B, then God will be faithful. But let me just kind of stop just for a second, because about a year ago, I, I, did a, I did a survey of quite a few people here at this church, other churches that I've been at, other friends and, and family members that I've got. And these were, these were statistics that I, I was able to accumulate just based on a, a, a wide range of questions, but I just pulled out a few of them here. Let me just show you this first question real quick. I asked this one question of teenage parents only. Okay, This was only for parents who had teenagers. I kind of kept that, 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 that scope pretty tight. I said, during an average week, how many days do you read your Bible? That was a specific question. 
Just, just straight up, just tell me, how about you? How much, how much do you read God's Word? Look at what the, look at what the response came out. 34% of Christian parents read their Bibles five to seven times a week. 34%, five to seven. That means, that means a whole lot more, like 70 some percent, I mean, uh, excuse me, 66%, am I, am I getting my numbers right? Am I right now? Yeah, 66% says four times or less. I won't pull out those numbers. But let me ask you a question. If that's your attitude toward God's Word, how much are you really investing in appetites and bents? Incidentally, only 33% of fathers surveyed said that they read their Bibles five to seven times per week. If, if we don't get in God's Word, especially men, if we don't get in God's Word, how are we ever going to expect our children to? But that's probably not the worst of it. Let me show you one more. During an average week at home, how many times does your family read the Bible together? How many, how many times are you giving that nourishment, that, that giving, giving them that appetite? How many times during an average week are you walking down, are you walking down the road, are you sitting at the table talking about God, are you, when they get up, are you talking about God, when you go to bed, are you talking about God? You know what they said? Look at this. 57% said never. That's not just people from this church. That's from people outside of this church. And so my question is, if that's reality, then A and B have no chance. And so therefore C is not going to happen. Setting that course is going to be shaky at best. And so maybe mom and dads, I'm really just trying to shake your chain just a little bit. And I'm really just trying to just help you understand you need to get real with this. Because it should be our goals, mom and dads, that our children exceed us in their spiritual development. They exceed us. They should be always better than us. See, because here's the thing. They should be hearing us talk about God and us, and, and the things that we learn, they should, we, they should hear us talk about it. But then, you know, too, they, they get it from other people, too. They get it from other sources. So just add that on to it. So they should be way better than us. Look at what the Bible says. It says this in Proverbs chapter 21. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So mom and dads, where do you stand? Are you training? Are you learning their styles? Are you, are you just kind of just hoping for the best for the way they should go? There's always hope. You've got that hope in Jesus Christ. He will never let us down. But we've got to give it over to Him. We've got to do everything that we can possibly do on our end, and then we pray and allow God to do the work. But are you doing the best you can do on your end? Let me put, release the pause button back on my story that I kind of started out with about this person I was uh, having this conversation with. <clears throat> Whenever they told me, I don't have time, I said, you don't have time not to. And it wasn't long before me and her husband were setting up these accounts and putting all these protective things on their, on their, little, on their little iPod stuff. And I was just showing him, you do have control. This is your gift to them. I'm not standing in the way of that. But you need to be responsible for what they see. And he did. So there's always hope. 
But where are we placing our hope? Are we trying to place it in ourselves? Or are we just trying to hope for the best? Or are we placing our hope in the Almighty God? I'll let you be the, the decision maker on that one. And let me just ask you just to bow your heads and let's pray. Let's just go to that, that Almighty God right now. That God of hope. And say, God, I need you. Lord, I, I need you to help me be that, that one that gives that that appetite to my child. Lord, my children are out of the house. But you know what? I, I, I know that there's still hope in you. So Lord, I can still be an influence in their lives. So Lord, give me an appetite for your word so that I can just spill that over onto them. Lord, you've given me these precious people in my life. That was no mistake. Lord, you purposed these people in my life, in this day. Lord, you, you designed this. And so, Lord, I'm just calling out for help because I don't know what to do. <laughs> but I know you do. And so, God, I'm just going to place my faith and my trust in you. Maybe right now you just need to go to God and just say, just talk to him about your children. Start naming their names right now. Maybe you need to be praying for their future. Perhaps you need to be praying for their salvation. Maybe you need to be praying for a closer walk with the Lord. Maybe you need to be praying about their desire for kingdom things. Now, as you're praying for your children, you can't leave yourself out. All those things you just prayed for your children, ask God to give you that same hunger to, to instill that into their lives. Because you need it in your life first. Father, I just thank you and I praise you for this time that we get a chance to just open up your word and, and just gather around what your word teaches. So God, I pray that right now we wouldn't just be listening to it. Lord, I pray that we would actually now just say, you know what, God, I know there's hope in you. So now I'm going to be doer, a doer of your word. Because God, I know you can make the miraculous happen. You've raised people from the dead. I know you can raise my family back from the dead. Lord, I, you've, you've brought people out of bondage. I know you can bring my family out of bondage. Lord, you have, you have filled people with, their, with your Holy Spirit in such a way, God, that they were able to proclaim your word in, 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 in a hostile environment. So, Lord, I know you can do that in my life. But, God, you've got to be the one who does it. So, Lord, I just pray right now. In the stillness of this moment, Lord, that we would make that decision. Lord, I'm putting it in your hands. Lord, I'm going to be a better disciple of my children. Lord, I'm going to be a better student of your word. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.